your Bibles and you can stand with me. Colossians chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 1. Colossians 3, first four verses. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today for your goodness and for your mercy. We're thankful, Lord, that you are everything that we need. And I pray today, God, you would challenge our hearts. Lord, draw us near to you, so near we can touch your face and gain your perspective. We pray it all in the precious name of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Well, thank God we're beginning a new series this week, right? I finally found the one who was guilty. They came, no, I'm kidding about that, alright? Kidding about that. I, uh, I woke up one evening this week in the middle of the night, and I was thinking about Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And I couldn't get it off my mind all week, and I thought, well, I've got to preach on it. So I'm praying that my dream doesn't become a nightmare, okay? But I believe that God has spoken in my heart about seeking and setting. Seeking and setting. As Christians, we are to live in a way which moves us closer to heaven. Because our citizenship is in heaven, not here. I want to tell you, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just a pilgrim in this land. Paul wrote this in Philippians 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, let me remind you what I said earlier. If you're a Christian, we need to live in such a way that draws us closer to heaven. Draws us closer to God. And I want to tell you today, a lot of what's going on in our churches in America today is anything but Christian. Amen. They're focused on themselves. Make me feel good. Give me what I want. But our focus has to be on heaven. It must be on heaven. And because as a child of God, Because our citizenship is in heaven, we need to seek heaven with everything we have. Everything we have. If you are a Christian today, as Christians, we should live 
differently from the world. We should live in such a way, so different from the world, there is no question in their mind, we're on the way to heaven. We are on the way to heaven. So this morning we're going to talk about heavenly things. Since we're on the way to heaven, heavenly things ought to be on our mind. Heavenly things ought to permeate our lives. How many are going today? I am. Amen. So we're beginning a short series. I don't know how long I'm going to go. On how to develop a heavenly mindset. Our text this morning was from Colossians, the first few verses of chapter 3. But I want to give a little bit of an overview, a little background of what's going on in this letter Paul is writing to the saints at Colossae. In chapter 2, Paul spends a lot of time addressing the issue of false teachers. Teachers who were teaching to abstain from certain things. Don't touch this. Don't do that. But in that situation, in chapter 2, Paul says, in effect, all of those things they're denying themselves of is for the wrong reasons. So he addresses the false teachers. He addresses wrong reasons for denying yourself. In chapter 3, We come to the place where Paul, the God's Word, gives us affirmation of our new position in Christ. Now, I don't know for sure that I'm right on this, but I think I'm fairly correct. A lot of Christians are struggling today, struggling in their walk with God, because they don't realize the position we have in Christ. Who we are in Christ. So chapter 2 is in a way, a transition chapter, a very powerful transition from the theoretical discussion Paul begins in chapter 1, continues in chapter 2, and now we get to chapter 3, Paul says, let me give you the nuts and bolts of it. Let me give you the practical issues that we're going to live out every day in our life. So when we get to chapter 3 of this letter, and by the way, let me remind you, when it, was le- when it was written, it was not in chapters. It was a formal letter. Thank God for chapters. We can find our place easier. But it was one continuous letter. But here in chapter 3, in our text this morning, Paul begins to, to address and explain what true Christian behavior should look like. How Christians ought to behave. And especially by putting on our new self, by accepting Christ, not by denying anything, but by accepting Christ, and regarding our earthly nature as dead. How many know the old man is dead? So we change our moral and our ethical behavior by letting God live in us. So that God can shape us into what He wants us to be. Now remember, the world is filled with religions. 
And religions are always trying to conform you, give you rules and regulations. At the end of the day, they don't help you. And I want you to realize, folks, without Christ, we are helpless and we are hopeless. And Paul says we shape our character morally and ethically by letting Christ live within us so that Christ can make us into who he wants us to be. So what do we need to know, number one? We need to know we have been raised with Christ. Amen. Colossians 3, verse 1, the first part of it. If ye then be risen with Christ. I remember years ago, when we first started attending this church, uh, Pam and I came. We hadn't lived in Ohio very long. Um, most of you who know me know my grandmother was a devout Christian. And the last thing she said to us when we left Illinois, she said, son, find a good church somewhere. And, of course, I wasn't a Christian. And uh, my grandmother loved me. How could she not? Uh, I was her favorite. How could I not be? Uh, so I wanted to please my mother, my grandmother, and she, she had visited this church some years earlier when she was here visiting my parents, and she said, there's this church right down the road from your mom and dad, at least go there, and the rest is history. But I remember one night, I volunteered before I was saved to help come and paint the wooden pews we had at that time, and, uh, I went with the pastor to help to go buy more paint. You know how them pastors are. They're, they're sly and they're slick. And he knew, you know, I didn't pretend to be saved. I knew I wasn't. And he asked me a question. He said, well, why aren't you? And I really didn't know, but in my mind I'm thinking, if I get saved, I don't want to be a hypocrite. If I get saved, then, then I have to quit this and quit that and don't do this and don't touch that. Uh, if I get saved... There's no way I can live the kind of life God wants. Now, what I didn't realize, I was thinking about myself, what I could do. But how many know, when you get saved, it's not what we can do, it's what God can do with us. I was dead in my sins. I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now. I was dead. I could not help myself. So salvation is not helping yourself. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not trying to do better. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ working in us. Notice again, verse 1, the first part, if you then be risen with Christ. And I checked four or five uh, different English translations this week, including the King James. And the ones that I checked, all four or five of them, began verse 1 with the word if. And I'm not saying that it's right or it's wrong, but the problem is, for us, it gives us the wrong inclination. Because we think of if, we're thinking maybe so, maybe not. But what I understand, the Greek structure of that verse, there's no if about it. If you are a child of God, you are risen with Christ. Amen. We need to know that. Now remember, when it comes to faith, there's a negative aspect and there's a positive dimension as well. When we come to Christ by faith, we die out to sin. And we die out to the basic principles of this world. Colossians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul wrote this. 
Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Let that sink in for a moment. Now again, we see that two-letter word, if. But again, the scripture, the Greek is very clear. There's no if about it. If you're in Christ, you are risen with Him. If you're in Christ, you have died to the basic principles of this world. Let us think in for a moment. We are dead to sin. We are dead to the basic principles of this world. But Paul now moves on from the negative side to what we've died out to, and he moves on to the fact <coughs> to bring our focus on the positive. Yes, we have died, but thank God we've also been raised. Amen. We've also been raised. Now again, the Greek uh, words in this phrase, if you've been raised with Christ, there's no doubt about it. Those words express certainty. Now let me make sure we understand what I'm trying to say this morning. Salvation is not joining a church. Salvation is not being baptized. Salvation is not turning over a new leaf. Salvation is not trying to become better. Salvation means we die out to ourselves. We die out to sin. And now we come alive to Jesus Christ. We're entering the Easter season. Won't be long. Easter will be here. And we think about the resurrection. And we think mostly about one day when Jesus returns, those who have died in Christ will be resurrected. Those who are alive will be caught up in the air to be with Him forever. We understand that. But sometimes we forget the moment you die out to sin... When you place your faith in Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, resurrects us to live a new life. We are given power by God to live this Christian life. Years ago, I was giving, when I worked at General Motors, I was giving someone a ride home uh, from work one evening. And he knew I was a Christian and he looked at me and said, there's no way anybody can live that life. And it made me so mad I wanted to punch him. I didn't, okay? I, I'm, I'm pretty smart sometimes. He was bigger than I was to begin with, all right? So I didn't punch him. But then I thought of it. He's right. Nobody can live the Christian life on their own power. We have to be raised in a newness of life in order to live the Christian life. So the day you get saved, our life is now hidden, hidden within God with Christ. He lives in us. So everyone, everyone who has placed sincere faith in the work of Christ, even though we were once dead in our sins, we have now been raised from that death just the way Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God. That's how we live the Christian life. We have received a new life from God and received it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that being said, I don't have to struggle to earn my salvation. 
We don't have to struggle uh, to work and attain that life. Why? Because we already have that new life in Christ. What did Paul say? I don't have the verse in my, in my notes today. Paul said, I've been crucified, crucified with Christ. But what? Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Yes, we have died, but now we are alive in Christ. Now, folks, we need to get that down. We must know that we have been raised with Christ. So all that remains for us to do is to work out those implications in our daily lives. We need to flesh it out every day as we walk in this world. Because we have been raised We have a clear responsibility to Jesus Christ who has raised us and delivered us from sin. So what do we need to do? Colossians 3, verse 1 again. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. What we need to know, we have been risen. What we need to do, we need to seek those things which are above. That word seek in the Greek is an interesting word. It is a very strong word of strong desire. And it literally means to set things above and seek them with all of our heart. We do it with everything we have. Now remember, not only have we died with Christ, we also have been raised with Christ. And because of that, the Bible said, we should set our hearts on things above. Our lives as children of God, they need to be dominated by the pattern of heaven. Our lives need to be lived by bringing heavy direction into our daily living. Amen. Folks, let me remind you, God's Word is not meant to be theoretical. We're meant to live it out. And if you're a child of God, you ought to live differently than the rest of the world does. We're to live it out every day in our lives. And by the way, I think most of you already know this, but make sure we do. When God's Word speaks about the heart, He's not talking about that organ that pumps the blood through our body. When God's Word speaks about our heart, God is talking about the center of our being, the very center of our being. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 20 and 21. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, notice this, there will your heart be also. <laughs> now, by the way, this is probably a message for another. This part here, I'll just interject it here. If you want to take a good look on how you're doing with your treasure, look at your checkbook. Amen. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So the Bible is clear: our hearts should be set on things above. We need to be seeking those things with a strong desire to possess them. 
those things that are above. Our hearts should be seeking after what is above in the spiritual eternal world in contrast to what is below in this earthly transitory world. Seek those things which are above. Now, folks, the Bible makes a very clear contrast between the desirable things and the basic principles of the universe. How many know we are to get our direction? We're to get our instructions from Christ, not from the principles of this world. By the way, this is free. I, I saw a little clip Mr. Rogers did some years ago. And this clip says, a boy is born a boy. He will always be a boy. He can never be a girl. A girl is born a girl. She will always be a girl and can never be a boy. Now, the news commenter that played that clip said they're going to have to dig him up out of that grave and beat him to death now. Because the world says, uh-uh. And I want to tell you, folks, we cannot be taking instruction from the world. We get our marching orders from Christ, from heaven above. We seek things that are above. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we cultivate values that are from above when every day, everywhere we look, we are being bombarded with message, messages that all promote below behavior? How to behave the way the world behaves. Below behavior. Listen to the radio. Overhear conversation with other people. Read the billboards. Watch the news. Flip through a magazine at the doctor's office. Watch television. Movies. And they're all trying to get us to embrace values that are not from above, but values that are from below. And I realize that maybe not every message is overtly immoral, but we need to understand the perspective is one that excludes God. We're living in a culture that leaves God out and they prioritize things as though life on this earth is all that matters. How many know that's a lie from the pit and it smells like smoke? They tell us that the only thing matters is our happiness. The only thing matters is that we be fulfilled. The world says to us, worldly wisdom says, we have the right to be happy. So happiness, fulfillment in this world, they say to us, that is 
our top priority. And God says, no, it's not. No, it's not. So if we are going to be directed from above, if we are going to receive our instruction from Christ, we have to do everything we can to counteract the messages that we see everywhere in our culture. We are being bombarded. If we're going to set our minds on things above, we must read the Word of God. We must meditate on the Scriptures. And thank God for you being here. We need to attend church. Now let me interject. One of the Worst things that COVID did to the church was introduce live stream to a lot of churches. Now, make a mistake about it for those who cannot come. That's fine. But I want to tell you, sitting at home with a cup of coffee doesn't take the place of joining together in corporate worship. You can argue all you want about that. It simply doesn't work. I have been, I've been blessed to attend national association meetings hear good preaching, and love the experience. I've also times I've had to watch it, you know, be a live stream. And while it's good, it's not as good as being there in person. We were meant for corporate worship. We have to realize, folks, if we're going to counteract what the world is doing to us, we've got to spend time reading God's Word. We've got to spend time meditating on God's Word. We've got to be in, in attendance at church. And it's time we, we need to uh, listen to uplifting music, read things that turn our heart toward God. And by the way, we find that theme over and over in the Word of God. So what do we need to do to set our minds on things above? Well, one thing we need to do, we can't be conformed. You can't be conformed to this world. Romans 12, too. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and accessible and perfect will of God. Whenever you or I, or anyone, whenever we offer ourselves, our entire self to God, a change is going to happen in our relation to the world. Now, by the way, if your change, if your operation, the way you operate to the world, your relation to the world hasn't changed, you haven't been born again. It changes. If you're a Christian, we are called to live a different lifestyle than the lifestyle the world offers. And I want to tell you, in our world today, a lot of churches have become so worldly, it's pitiful. It is pitiful. We're to live a different lifestyle. We're to be different in the behavior and the customs of this world. Because this world, for the most part, acts usually in a selfish and often corrupting way. We cannot live our lives that way. And we're not to conform. Why? Because we are to live like we are citizens of a future world. And as long as we live in this life, there will always be a pressure to conform, 
to continue living the script the world has written. But God says, don't do that. We are forbidden to give in to that pressure. So if we're going to set our heart on things above, we must not be conformed. But the second thing we need to do is be careful with your treasure. Back to Matthew 6 again, verse 19 and 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Unless I miss my guess, most of us here today may not have a million dollars, but we'd have to confess we've got more than we ever dreamed we'd have. Isn't it true? Um, Anybody remember the day when you went to the gas station you could only put a few dollars of gas in your car? Huh? Because that's all you had. When you worried about the mortgage payment or the rent payment, or you wondered, wow, you know, we've got to buy groceries for the family. How are we going to pull this off? And I would say probably most of us now are at a place in our lives where we don't worry about that much anymore. And you know what? What I found out, and I'm glad for that, but even that doesn't truly satisfy. There has to be something, something more. You see, our world, and I think I heard my first pastor say this one time, I don't know how I remember this, but the world says, get all you can and can all you get. Amen? Get all you can and can all you get. Lay up treasures upon earth for yourselves. That's the below philosophy. Now, by the way, nowhere in Scripture, nor did Jesus condemn saving money for the future. Nor does the Bible or Jesus condemn treasuries, uh, treasures in your home that you might value. But what he does condemn is our attitude toward money and possessions that makes those things more important in our lives than eternal values. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the more I realize how short this life is. No wonder Paul said if this world is the only place we have hope in, we are of all men most miserable. How many are glad for a better world? For the hope of heaven. Amen. Even Solomon worried about that. He said, how do I know that when I die, after using all my wisdom to gain everything I have, some fool won't inherit it? You don't know. So Jesus condemns the attitude toward money and possessions that makes those things more important than eternal values. So as a child of God, we are to focus on laying up treasures in heaven. But how do you do that? And there are a lot of ways. <coughs> but it includes, but it's not limited to, are you ready? 
Tithing your money. Amen. Now, by the way, folks, I love to give to God. Uh, we make sure that our Pam does take care of it for us. And we, and we still write checks to the, to the church. We don't a lot of other things. But we make sure that check is written ahead of time. We know what we're going to get. When a special offering comes up, we talk about that. We pray about it. This is what God would want us to give. But it's not limited to tithing our money. Laying up treasures on, in heaven instead of earth, it includes bringing other people to Jesus Christ. It includes every act we do in obedience to Jesus Christ. And when we talk about the treasure that God's talking about, it's the eternal value of whatever we accomplish on earth. Those are the things that are important. Acts of obedience to God, they're laid up in heaven. Did you know the tears of the saints are stored up in heaven? Laying up treasure in heaven. And by the way, anything you invest in heaven is safe. Doesn't depend on the stock market. Nobody breaks in to steal it. Nothing affects it. Nothing can change it. Why? Those things we lay up in heaven, they are eternal. So if we're going to seek those things which are above, we cannot be conformed. We have to watch, be careful with our treasure. And we must trust in the living God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. Paul says to the young preacher, Charge them, command them, that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. All things to enjoy. The Bible says money is the root of all evil. Is that true? Thank you, Paul, for shaking your head. No, it's not. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Hear me well. The Bible, if we're not careful, we read it wrong, just like with money. And the Bible doesn't just address those who are rich and it never says it is wrong but the Bible also addresses those who want to be rich and make it the pursuit of their lives. Because the problem is if you are rich as Paul was talking to Timothy about you tend to put your trust in those riches. And those who are not rich are pursuing that because they want to put their trust in those riches. But how many know that our trust must not be in the riches of this world? Our trust must be in the living God. It must be in the living God. And so we have to be careful every day. Not to be conformed to this world. We have to be very careful every day how we handle our money. It must be for the glory of God. 
And we have to be careful every day that we trust only in the living God for our security. Amen and amen. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But if you're like me, the danger I, I, I find myself every once in a while is becoming complacent in my walk with Christ. Am I really seeking those things which are above? Is my heart set on heavenly things? Am I really desiring to be more and more like Jesus Christ? Now maybe you're listening online this morning. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you think you are. But if you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never repented of your sins and, and changed the, let Christ change the direction of, life, of your life, you're lost. But the good news is today you can come to Him. And you can claim Him. You can confess to Him that you have sinned. You can agree with God you have sinned. That's only part of the equation. You must also repent Turn away from that sin and turn toward Jesus Christ. And claim Him, accept Him as your Lord of all your life and your Savior. Without that, you cannot go to heaven. But if you have done that, remember, you are risen with Christ. Not if. You are risen with Christ. Are you seeking those things which are above? Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Father, we we are so appreciative of your, of your word. We are thankful for the clarity of the scriptures and the work of the Holy Spirit to open them, open them up to our hearts that we might be better understanders and doers of your word. Father, I pray for all of those who name the name of Christ today. I pray, Lord, that we'll never forget we are risen with Christ. Through him we have the power to live Christian life. And I pray, Lord, especially for those who have never been born again. And I pray even harder for those who are self-deceived and believe they have been when they have not. Father, I pray the Word of God would go out and have free course. That we would all, the saved and lawful, allow the Spirit of God to minister to our hearts. And we give the praise in Jesus' name.